that uh, in, it has always intrigued me. And so we've taken the title from that called Analyzing Bhakti. It's the, the last verse in the sixth chapter. And it just it comes from, comes from the, uh, the purport there, Prabhupada's purport. And it was something that uh, when I was uh, first reading the Bhagavad Gita, you know, it's confusing. Because you know, there's, there's many different topics discussed and so many things are happening. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so I was looking at the purports, trying to find a clue how the different topics fit together. Fit together. And so I was trying to look for, uh, see how the different parts of Bhagavad Gita fit together, especially the, the first six chapters with, with, with the rest of it. And so we'll, we'll look at it. Um, so analyzing bhakti minutely. So the, the verse uh, 647, um, now, and of all yogis, the one with great faith who always abides in me, thinks of me within himself, and renders transcendental loving service unto me, he is the most intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. That's my opinion. So that's, that's, the, that's the verse six, uh, uh, 647, the last one. It's a, it's a, uh, a, a transitional verse, actually. Because it says that the first six chapters, as it's usually understood, the first six chapters, uh, uh, Krishna talks about all these different varieties of, uh, of yoga. Prabhupada, uh, you know, and, uh, and here at the end, Krishna is saying, but the best of all possible, you know, all, all different varieties of yogis are, are the ones who are worshipping me. Because right? it's transitioning. Oh, I was always wondering why Krishna is saying this. Wait, we're recording, so please wait. Oh. Oh. You got to record him. We got to work away later. <laughs> okay, go. It always confuses me why Krishna is saying it's my opinion. <laughs> Prabhupada just, he, he, put, he puts that, hey, what, what is, I have to look at the Sanskrit. Is there something in the Sanskrit? I'm not sure that that, that says that. I think he just, he's, I guess, or presumably, uh, I didn't include the Sanskrit here. I wasn't expecting that question. Let me see. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's he's just he's declaring that. I guess I mean because Krishna's opinion is fact, you know. But uh, that's how he's, you know. Also, Krishna's a little bit humble there, sitting on the chariot, right? He, he's he's yet to reveal himself to Arjuna as the supreme personality of Godhead. So I guess you can you can put that in there. But uh, he's you know, he's he's making that statement because he, he's we're about to talk about uh, really intensely bhakti. You know, in the, in, in the middle six chapters. This is this is an intense intense focus on on bhakti yoga, and uh, and so here he's many times when a topic is about to change, there's a little kind of foreshadowing verse that's there, you know, to to, to indicate what's what's about to come up, and so so he's you know he's he's, he's talked about all the all different uh, different types of uh, he's talked about karma yoga and, and jnana yoga and dhyana yoga. And now he's going to make make that transition, and uh, and uh, and many times it says it's described. Many people call this uh, the different types of yoga uh, that that Krishna describes in the in the first six chapters as a as a ladder. They characterize it as a ladder that uh, that you climb up step by step, and at the very top of the ladder is is uh, is bhakti. And in the purport to the verse. 
Prabhupada says, the culmination of all kinds of yoga practices lies in bhakti yoga. All other yogas are but means to come to the point of bhakti in bhakti yoga. Yoga actually means bhakti yoga, and all other yogas are progressions towards the destinations, destination of bhakti yoga. So the, the different topics he's, Krishna's described so far, they build on one another. Right, there's a so each one is, is a prerequisite for, for the next one. Hmm? And Prabhupada says in the purport, they says, from the beginning of karma yoga to the end of bhakti yoga is a long way to self-realization. And he describes, he says, karma yoga without fruit of results is the beginning of this path. When karma yoga increases in knowledge and renunciation, the stage is called jnana yoga. When jnana yoga increases in meditation on the supersoul by different physical processes, and the mind is on him, it is called ashtanga yoga. And when one surpasses the ashtanga yoga and comes to the point of the supreme personality of Godhead Krishna, it is called bhakti yoga, the culmination. So one, so it says it, take, it takes one. He notices he says this one increases in such and such a thing. It, mean, it means that that the, that that the result of the previous process is 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 the foundation of the next one. So it says when the when karma yoga without fruit of results um, uh, increases in knowledge and renunciation. So it's producing those two things. That's one of the effects of that particular stage. And then as that increases, it, it actually it, it then changes its name. It becomes gyan. So in order to have jnana, you need to develop a certain amount of the knowledge and renunciation that characterizes it. And jnana yoga, jnana yoga means it has you know, jnana vairagya, knowledge and renunciation. And so the, the karma yoga is going to produce that, the, the beginnings of it. And then when that becomes firmly enough established, then that becomes the defining part of that yoga. That leads one to understanding the super-soul, and when that happens, you know, more strongly that that gives the, the it's a prerequisite and becomes the characteristic of the next level. Hmm? That's how he's saying. So, the, so it's a ladder. You one up the other. You can't you you can't start with uh, you know, higher on the ladder. You have to go up one step step by step by step all the way. Um, Krishna mentions that that's one of the, that's the the beginning of the third chapter. There's Arjuna's question. He doesn't really like this karma yoga thing because he has to fight. It's his duty. Following your, following your duty isn't very pleasing to him. So he says, why can't I just have greater knowledge and renunciation? We've already heard that I'm transcendental spirit. Right? No, Krishna says, that's not going to work. <laughs> because right now you're, you're under the control of aversion. You don't want to do your duty because of your attachments. Those have to be gone in order to, to actually practice jnana. You don't have enough knowledge and enough renunciation to do that. You can't jump over that. You have to climb the ladder. Hmm. So that's how it's oftentimes described. And so, so that, that uh, 647 then is a, is a, it's connecting the previous topics. It's a transition and a connector that connects the, the topics that we've already heard with what's going to happen now. And the Prabhupada says in the purport, he says, the yogi who is progressive is therefore on the true path of eternal good fortune. One who sticks to a particular point and does not make further progress is called by that particular name. Karma yogi, jnana yogi, or jnana yogi, raja yogi, hatha yogi, etc. 
So he's saying if you if you if you stop on that on one rung of the ladder, that's you know that's what you remain. But otherwise, the intent is to is to progress through the stages. That's the intent. An important point, though, the exception to that rule of the yoga ladder is bhakti. And Krishna will make that very clear. That one can access it that way, in a step-by-step way. That's one of the reasons why Krishna describes these other yogas. But you needn't pass through those other stages to take up bhakti. It can be taken to directly. And uh, that's uh, so. It's an exception to those rules, and this is, of course, what what is uh, when Prabhupada says that the, the the progress from karma yoga to bhakti yoga is a long way of self-realization, as he said in the purport. He's he's giving that hint right there that that he's not recommending that we we go up the yoga ladder towards bhakti, but we take up bhakti directly. But for those who are inclined to the particular yogas, it's it's it's, it's presented that way. Um, so if bhakti yoga is in one sense independent of them, if it can be attained directly, then we, you can ask, you know, if if and we've done so, right, then should we even bother with those other types? Uh, are, the, are the the first six chapters somewhat irrelevant to our lives? Why not just jump into the middle six chapters that are talking about bhakti? Is there is there is there value there? And uh, and in this in the purport, there's this interesting comment, and and uh, to me it, it it gives an explanation about how Prabhupada, uh, uh, at least partial explanation about how Prabhupada approaches his commentary and translations on the first six chapters, and because if you read. Uh, Bhagavad Gita as it is in the Bhaktivanta purports, aside from this particular purport, you don't hear much about this yoga ladder. You just hear about Krishna consciousness, bhakti, service to Krishna, right from the beginning. You know, he, he just he jumps right into it. And here in the purport, he indicates that there's this, this series of yoga going on, but most of the other places, he doesn't mention it that much. He's, he calls it bhakti. He calls it Krishna consciousness. He calls it this is what we're doing. You know. So in the, there's a small a small section in the same purport six forty six forty seven, where Prabhupada says, factually bhakti yoga is the ultimate goal, but to analyze bhakti yoga minutely, one has to understand these other yogas. And well, that that popped out to me when I was reading. You know, for, for for the first time, trying to understand this stuff. What does it mean? Right, that 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 to to, to analyze bhakti yoga minutely, one has to understand these other yogas. And so, if you look at the just at the meaning of analysis, there's the one I think that, that fits here is the process of separating something into its constituent elements or component parts. You break it down. Sometimes we say we break something down. Into, into what what makes it up, and so he says, if we really want to understand bhakti, and we we break it down to its parts, basically we'll find these other yogas in it. And so what what, I, what I'll submit to you that you can see these other yogas as being parts of bhakti, even if we don't go up through the ladder. Like I guess if you do climb through the ladder. 
right? Certain things will remain with you all the way up to the top of the ladder, because right? you're building on each. It's a it's a building system. So everything that you learned in the one yoga, you know, persists into the other one, and something new is added. You go up, and something new is added. Everything's still persistent, and when you make the last jump to bhakti, also everything uh, that was there before somehow remains in, 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 in a certain type of form. And so if we can, if we look at um, um, uh, uh, we see bhakti as, as having these different components, so by understanding the other varieties of yoga described in Bhagavad Gita, we can, get, we can gain valuable insight into bhakti yoga and then uh, also that we may also be able to see if something is missing. Right? So we may be able to understand what, because bhakti yoga is, can be described very simply. We're simply do, you know, serving Krishna. Right? But there are certain attitudes, there are certain understandings, there are certain, there are certain outlooks that we have that, that makes bhakti what it is. There's details. And a lot of times we say the devil is in the details. So how do we serve? Why do we serve? What is what is the whole? What is our understanding of ourselves? What is our understanding of of, of the world and Krishna? And so, if we if we can break bhakti down into these different component parts, we may gain some valuable insight into what it takes to to perform bhakti appropriately and properly. And also, we may find because we we may find that if we examine this, we, that that there may be something lacking in our bhakti yoga practice. Is our bhakti yoga complete? Are we doing these various things? And, uh, and I'll uh, submit to you that, that in some ways this is what Prabhupada has done through his, his, uh, his commentary. Um, in, uh, as you look at this, uh, that in his, because like I said, in in, in, his, in his purports, he doesn't discuss these yogas separately very much. He keeps talking Krishna consciousness, whatever it is, talking about devotees. He took talking about Krishna. So, in, like, in, in here's a, a case in point in in Bhagavad Gita two thirty eight. This is uh, another transitional verse where where, where Krishna is starting to talk about this this. Uh, karma yoga without material desires. This Nishkama karma yoga. He says, he tells Arjuna, "Do thou fight for the sake of fighting, without considering happiness or distress, loss or gain, victory or defeat, and by so doing you shall never incur sin." And in the purport, Prabhupada says, "Lord Krishna now directly says that Arjuna should fight for the sake of fighting because Krishna, he, Krishna desires the battle." There is no consideration of happiness or distress, profit or loss, victory or defeat in the activities of Krishna consciousness. That everything should be performed for the sake of Krishna is transcendental consciousness. Now, mind you, you know, that, 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 that Krishna, he, I mean, he, he may be hinting there, he tells him, he's urging him to fight. Right? So I guess, he say, he, I guess you can infer from that that he, he desires the battle. But he, he's going to reveal that really later on in chapter 11. He's going to say, you know, <laughs> look, I've arranged all this. You become my instrument. He hasn't done that yet. And he hasn't talked about, he hasn't talked directly about bhakti. He doesn't say do it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't say do it for me in here. He says, I want to do it. But, you know, he's not saying that, that's, you know. He's 
he's his friend and teacher at that point, you know. So he has he hasn't described you know in detail bhakti yet at all. He's talking about that he's you know the the, the notion of karma yoga this is called usually called nishkama karma yoga. We don't have a personal desire. He's he's first urged him, what he's done first is urged him to f- do his dharmic duty. That's karma, actually, just to do your duty. He's tr- Arjuna is in danger of of not doing his duty. He wants to run away from the battlefield, and so first of all, Krishna tells him that you know you need to do your duty. Is otherwise you're going. He says you're going to you're going to incur sin, you're going to be defamed. You're going to miss out on the chance to, 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 to reap all kinds of good karma and go to the, the planets of the demigods. Right? So you have to do it. Right? And, but Arjuna has a problem because he's not... And usually in karma there's an enticement right? for those reasons. Right? He says you, you'll, you know, you'll, be, you'll be famous. <laughs> you'll, go to the, you'll either get a kingdom or you'll go to the... Plants of the devata, the demigods, the devatas. Things will be beautiful for you. He says. He says that the uh, that the the warriors are usually happy when the battle comes, right? because if they win, they get fame and fortune, and if they get killed, they go. So it opens the doors to those higher planets where things are wonderful. So there's a, there's a, a an incentive to to do the right thing. In, in, in karma, Krishna uses that as a way to kind of harness people's desires. We want happiness, and we have a tendency to do whatever we can to get things by hook or by crook, as Prabhupada sometimes says. Right? Well, we have the saying, right, nice guys finish last in, in America. You know? yeah. So you, 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 you attain your desires by means fair or foul. You know, the, the, you know the the end justifies the means. This type of thing, and so so Krishna, uh, we, under, we we understand from the laws of karma that uh, that that short term gain that comes from that turns into a long a longer term misfortune. That the negative karma builds up and you suffer for that. So that's not a very good uh, a very good idea. It's very short sighted, and so Krishna introduces incentive. He says, "Look, you want to be happy." You want to enjoy, right? You want to have a you want to have a good life, right? And you don't want to suffer, right? And, you know, here, then follow the rules. You know, do it the right way, and that's going to be more successful to you than if you try to cheat. And it's going to be it's going to last longer. It's going to have, not have so many negative consequences. So there's incentive. Do your duty because it's going to work for you. You know, it's not. Uh, in one sense, it's, it's, he's not, Krishna's not presenting it like he's trying to enforce his rules. He's saying, this is how it works. This is how the system works. Be smart if you want, if you want to you know, attain to the, all the different goals you have. Hmm? But here Krishna is saying that that's not very helpful for, for, the, for the goal he is trying to, to, to lead Arjuna to. He's saying that... Uh, He's saying that, that you should fight without this, this, this motivation. For the sake of fighting, without considering happiness or distress, loss or gain, victory or defeat. He's saying take that out of the equation. And that's what turns karma, 
right, into, into this Nishkama Karma Yoga. Right, so you do it because it's the right thing. That's what he's saying. That's what's happening here in, 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 the, in, in the verse. And they said, Prabhupada jumps right into Krishna consciousness. So my understanding of that, and Prabhupada does this you know, really fairly continuously, is that, I mean, there's, there's you know, a few reasons. For one thing, he's not encouraging us to try these other yogas because the other yogas are probably not doable for us. Even this. It's difficult enough for us just to do the right thing. Almost everybody in this world at this time, day and age, this is, you know, the, is, is we, ha- we, we are here because we are not very self-controlled. Self-control is a real issue. It's very difficult for us to act and do the right thing in a consistent basis. So even to do karma, you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to have enough faith that if I do this, I'll get something better. Right? I mean, you know, people have to people do that, you know, in this world, um, you know, for more short-term things. Because we're talking oftentimes this karma f- pays off in the next lifetime. I tell you, you know, that's that's a lot. Right now, we have we have we have a certain amount of deferred enjoyment. Now, if I you know if I go to college and get a degree, or if I work hard. You know, as a uh, in the lower rung of the corporate ladder, in order to move up, you know, and you're you're seeing okay. In a few years, I'll be here. In a few years, I'll be there. In a few, but there's a lot of people can't even do that in this day and age. They can't even defer the enjoyment that far. It's 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 a challenge. You know, people are depressed. People are discouraged. So even to do karma, you have to be able to really defer the enjoyment for some time. That's not easy. And then what if you take away the incentive? Who's going to be able to do that? And then Prabhupada says it's a long ways to pass up through one stage to the other to the other. And so then why doesn't he just say, okay, you know, these, you know, why doesn't he just say, okay, these, all these different, the first six chapters are describing things that are impractical. You know, tell, them, tell us what it is. They're impractical. Now let's jump to the chapter 7. Uh, I think because these, these, these verses are still applicable, because of what he says, that all the different other yogas are components of bhakti in some way. And when you analyze them, they're still there. So that you can see a Krishna conscious interpretation of those particular verses. And that's what Prabhupada does through, through, the, through his, his purports. So, so if we're devotees, we can still look at the same thing. Right? And he says, so instead of, instead, of acting for, instead of acting for some selfish aim, we do it. He says, he says uh, uh, there is no consideration of happiness or distress, profit or loss, victory or defeat in the activities of Krishna consciousness. That everything should be performed for the sake of Krishna is transcendental consciousness. So there, there's so that type of attitude, right? That's in the Nishkama Karma Yoga of not acting 
for the incentive, especially the, the, the selfish incentive, remains in bhakti. It has to be there. And so almost all the different verses when Prabhupada gives them talk, you see, you see, it's, it's talking this kind of yoga and Prabhupada starts talking Krishna consciousness. It's talking this and Krishna Prabhupada calls it Krishna consciousness. Right? Because they're all, these things remain in bhakti. They're part of its component. And so if we come to bhakti directly, which is what, you know, is really the only practical thing for most of us, then we can see how these verses apply. Prabhupada acknowledges in this purport that there's actually these other yogas going on. But his, his focus is how, how we can see them and use them and see that how those parts of those yogas are still present in bhakti. And so if we, if we, if we take a look at them and, and see how, that they, how they work, right, what's present in them, how they work and what they produce, I think we can, we can then take a, a a look, a detailed look at what bhakti yoga means. We can see what it, what it entails, because we can we can break down. The, he says we have to understand these other yogas, right? To un, to understand to analyze bhakti minutely, we have to understand these other yogas. And so, in some ways, if we if we if we can examine these various other other stages and see how they work what they entail and what they produce and how they produce it, it can give us some greater insight into the practice of, 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 of our bhakti yoga. Uh, just like it, is, is, it said here, there's a certain, a certain attitude that's, that's involved there. There's a certain you know, understanding that, that's done there. And, uh, and it can help us. We can also look. So I guess there's so there, the reason why you know why Krishna has these why Krishna in the first place I guess you can, we we can see three reasons why Krishna you know has introduces these other yogas. Uh, and and the, he does that also. We have we have we've seen it many times in the eleventh canto when he speaks to Uddhava. He does the same thing. He he gives some process that's not bhakti and shows how it can lead to or become perfected in bhakti. Right? And and the commentators say that you know that, that that Krishna wants to capture people who are attached to those processes and then show them. How, how to go for, forward from that, where that can, actually should lead them. It should lead them to devotion. Also, they say that, that it's supposed to highlight the beauty of bhakti, that you don't have to go through all of these stages first. Things that you may not be capable of doing. Bhakti has that, has that power that you can approach it directly and you can achieve all the things that the other yogas do simply through the practice of bhakti. So it should make us feel <laughs> happy and, and rejoice, <laughs> feel filled with rejoicing that we've been able to avoid that difficult path. Right? But then the, the third thing here for, for the Bhagavad Gita is that again, it's, it's, it's showing in one sense that having broken down bhakti to its little component parts, you can see the nuts and bolts workings of bhakti. 
And so the, all the, these chapters become very, very useful to us. And you know, as Prabhupada comments in that way, all the different chapters have become very, very useful to us because they, they focus on little elements. And sometimes this is we, we can't understand the forest for the trees. <laughs> right? so, but sometimes we need to look at the, at the little parts. And to see, because we, you know, Prabhupada always mentions that the bhakti yoga is a science, and what he means by that is, 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 is something that 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 can that's uh, it's well understood, and you can apply it in this very systematic way. So if you're if you're doing bhakti, seemingly practicing bhakti, and the expected result isn't happening. And then you can you can find out what's wrong, because it's the, the practice is so well understood. If you're doing some intricate, you know, chemistry experiment, right, and something doesn't work right, well, you can go back and you can see there must have been a contamination here. The temperature was wrong there. The the, the mixture of the solution was wrong. That's science. It's it's something that's that's it's applied. It can be applied in a systematic way. And so if it's not happening you can go back and you can analyze what the difficulty is. So in, in times like that in particular, right, it can be useful to understand all the, all the moving parts of bhakti and how they're working together. Right. You, you can do that with your, if your car breaks down. Right, you can analyze what's wrong, but you have to know how it works. <laughs> That's why usually you have to take it to somebody else to fix it, somebody who's spent the time and energy to find out how automobiles work. Sometimes you also have to, not these days you have to have the analytical equipment where you plug it in, but, <laughs> but you know, it used to be some, you know, if somebody, if you, if you want to fix something that's broken, you have to understand how it works. And so, uh, there's that, that so there's this, this uh, that it's interesting that, that, uh, that little snippet of the purport gives us this kind of hope that if we spend some time and understand the, the, the these different other processes that are explained that Krishna doesn't really desire us to adopt. He wants us to, to, to adopt bhakti yoga. But in the, the same thing that may help others progress towards bhakti may help us on our bhakti. We can, it'll help us to analyze bhakti minutely. So I think in the, in the, we'll start to do that, I think, maybe in the next week and beyond. We'll start looking at some of the other yogas more in depth and see how they can be of use. But, uh, I just wanted to introduce that topic. I found that very interesting. At first, it was it was it was just kind of fascinating. In fact, later on, I heard my guru Maharaj mention it. I didn't when I first saw it. I had I didn't have a spiritual master thing, and so I just it just jumped up. I said, "There's something about that. I don't know what, what I don't know how to what to do with it, but there's something there's, there's something that's really intriguing about those those verses, that, those three words." And uh, that one, that one small sentence, and it was intriguing to me. I've been still trying to process that ever since. So, so any any comments or questions? Hare Krishna. If Krishna knows, like uh, bhakti yoga is better than all the yogas, then why he was forcing Arjun for karma yogas? Yeah, well, like, like I said, he was, he was, because he wasn't, Arjuna never actually practices these things, right? 
he's discussing all of the different topics. He was, he was, so he was, he was showing, he was teaching Arjuna in a systematic way. So here you are right now. He says you're you're in this situation, right? That you're you're so upset by the circumstances. You think everything is there's only misfortune on the horizon if you participate, and you're about ready to leave your duty. So he explains things up from the very ground up, right? And I think just because I explained it, because, because we're going to be able to understand bhakti better by understanding these other prelimin- seemingly preliminary topics. And because if he, if he, if he just says to, 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 to Arjuna, he says, I want you to do it, do it for me. Well, Arjuna may do that. Right? And that's in one sense, that's bhakti. But by seeing all the various stages there, what is it going to mean? It means, first of all, you have to gain enough self-control to do the right thing. Then you have to go beyond just selfish motivation. Right? That happens in bhakti. If he, if he, if he fights, if he, if he does it for Krishna, he's going to have to do the right thing. And he's going to do it for Krishna. He's not going to do it for some selfish motivation. Right. Later on, he's you know, all the different other things he talks about are going to be relevant to his practice of bhakti. Right. So he's 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 showing he's showing the basics that build and lead up to bhakti. Things that, that remain they remain in bhakti. Right. So it's like he's he's broken it down first. Like now we can if we take up bhakti, we can break it down and see all the different parts and, and things we have to have. Here he's allowing Arjuna to build up systematically. He was doing that. You can do it partially for Arjuna's benefit. He can also do. He says he also did it for the benefit of others who are attached to these other processes. So if somebody's attracted to karma yoga, they'll read about it in Bhagavad Gita and be led further up the path towards bhakti. Many people are not ready to just accept bhakti directly, but it's also beneficial for Arjuna and beneficial for us who take up the practice of bhakti to understand really what bhakti entails. So that's why he does it. Hmm? He also says that his general Adhikar. Oh, oh, Mike, Mike. <laughs> You're not as quick as Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is general Adhikarya's karma. Karma evadikaraste. He says, Arjuna, your adhikar, your eligibility is karma. And then, as you're saying, that karma is to work for Krishna. He doesn't tell Arjuna to go to the forest at any time That's right. and perform gan. That's right. His, also, there's in, in, uh, in devotion, even, even in, in devotional service, right, we, we start at a certain Devotional service progresses to certain levels, and so we're not supposed to take up deep renunciation from the very beginning. Right? There's a way that we proceed by, by engaging our, Prabhupada calls them our propensities in Krishna's service. Right? So we also st- we also start out on that level. He tells Arjuna that, that he's not yeah he's not ready for Gyan in the in the in the third chapter that you're not ready for that, you know, as as we grow in our bhakti also. A similar progression happens. One who's more advanced in devotional service, their, their renunciation is going to be greater and deeper. 
You know, sometimes there are disciples of Prabhupada right, that, that sometimes wanted to just sit and chant. You know, mostly because maybe the service that they were doing was you know, overwhelming to them, and they thought it would, and they could just be alone and not have to deal with the other devotees. And so there, you know, there are different times people ask him to be able to do that. You know, and sometimes he let them try it, and it wouldn't last very long. He already told them that they had to only eat once a day and they couldn't you know, do anything. You know, that, you know, they were restricted in so many ways and people just couldn't do it. You know, they just, you know, they, they, they couldn't be alone like that. They could, their, their mind was giving them too much trouble. You know, so they, they couldn't do, you know, bhajan like that from the beginning. So, so that's, that's also, yeah, it's also beneficial for his bhakti. He shows you start here. Even if it's for him, you start by you're doing your duty, not by something higher than that. So that kind of—it's interesting. That kind of seems to to uh, the progress of bhakti seems to go through those stages in some way. That kind of also shows the uh, some of the same things are happening in bhakti. Some of those things are more prominent. Elements are more prominent as you advance. It's kind of a—it's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. So um, I, I would like to progress in my bhakti and so this whole topic of examining and analyzing the other yogas is very intriguing to me. Um, so the question that I have is, as it's related to bhakti yoga, how do I proceed? How, how does one begin to even examine and analyze these other yogas? Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Um, is it done individually? Is it done in a class? Is it done between a guru and student? Well, you can start you know, just, just by you know, rereading those first six chapters of Bhagavad Gita and, and listen to Prabhupada's uh, purports and, see, and understand those two things. That when, when Prabhupada's talking about you know, Krishna consciousness in, in, in those particular purports, that's, that's a good way to start. And you, 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 can, you can understand that, that Prabhupada is showing the Krishna conscious application of those things. And we can look at our bhakti and say, am I doing that? Am I doing that? You know? Is that part of my bhakti? Is, do I have that understanding? You know? Am I, am I, am I like in this case, right? Am I, am I serving without thought of loss or gain, victory or defeat? <laughs> right? A fame or infamy? Right? Am I doing that? And, and if I'm not, then there's an indication, hmm, you know, there's some, something that, 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 that could be tweaked. So that's a, that's a good way to do it. You know, the prophet, the prophet in one sense has done that for us. You know, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to note that it's, that, that this, this is kind of like little, little uh, uh, components and details of, 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 of the whole bhakti process that he's doing like that. And the sequence seems to be important too. And so, these, at least in my mind, and I could be, I could be incorrect, that these other these other yogas, in terms of, in terms of beginning their practice, if I see something missing in my own yoga, I have to have a teacher. 
Like I don't, I don't even understand these words properly to tell you the truth. Mm. Like I, it's all very new to me. This language, this terminology, as I feel very, very new to to just understanding uh, what bhakti yoga is, and so. Um, like for example, I took classes in in Ashtanga and other types mm-hmm. of yogas, you know, in the last several years, and I couldn't have done it on my own without having a teacher show me the proper positionings of the postures and the even the proper attitude and focus that's involved. So, it it, it just seems like I wouldn't say a daunting task. I mean, only if I was alone in, in, the, in the process, but to have someone assist me along the way. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I guess one of the main reasons why we have, you know, the associ- we, we, do, we practice bhakti yoga in the association of other devotees. And so, there, and we, we have, you know, there, there are, of course, there, there are gurus that, that can guide us, but there's also other, you know, other of our, you know, compatriots here who are, who are practicing bhakti. And if we, if we have good relationships with each other, we can we can we can learn from each other. You know, there are those who are more, you know, those who are, you know, we say that there's we we see it three different ways. We're we're supposed to be giving, receiving, and sharing, receiving, sharing, and giving. Right? That, that, that those of us, those who are, uh, who are uh, similarly experienced as we are, we can we can exchange with. Right? We can we can we can give and receive from each other. From from those who are who are more experienced than us, we can receive guidance, and from and also from from those who are less experienced, we try to help them. But we're we're supposed to actually be a very helping. The the society of bhakti is supposed to be a very helping society. That's really how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be helping each other. So we do need that. We need to find people that. Uh, that if, 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 we, if we find people that we can help, we should try to help them. If we can find people that we can exchange with, we should exchange with them. If we can find people that can help us, yeah, then we take advantage of it. So yeah, you're quite right. It's not something that's done in isolation. Yeah, you're quite right. All right. Hare Krishna, thank you very much. <laughs>